Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hey guys, welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America this time. And we're doing another Back to Jerusalem podcast of mail call, going through the different messages that we get on a regular basis of people that hate us, love us, and everything in between. So we're going to put on our waiters and jump right in. Um, I have a Stephanie with us who helps run our social media. So she's the one that kind of gets bombarded and has to go through some of these messages. And so she's the one that's going to be reading them on our podcast today. And I've brought Bethany on, who is the director of our UK office, because she often brings balance. She doesn't often agree with me, which is not a good thing, but it's sometimes healthy for our podcast. So anyway, Stephanie, Bethany, so great to be doing this podcast with you guys again. Another mail call. I forgot how awful it is hearing our names together, Stephanie. <laughs> I disagree. I think it's wonderful. It's a nice little rhyme. So pretty. We sound like a girl group. <laughs> so we should start with. <laughs> I know, uh, Stephanie, that you've got a number of questions there that have come in. Um, some of them not very happy about some of the things that we've said or done or who we are. Sure. Sure. Yeah. This, yeah. This set of questions seems to have like an emerging theme and I don't, it wasn't planned that way and it just happened to come in this way, but it's more about who we are potentially connected with or know or talk about mm. that some people seem to be um, having questions about or getting upset about. So okay. interesting stuff. Let's yeah. So the, Sure. First question here um, is in connection with a, a very popular reel that we put out um, with Brother Yoon talking about um, the, where does power come from? So it's just some short words of wisdom uh, that we caught from Brother Yoon as he's teaching. Um, and, and what's interesting is this video has been played over 316,000 times on our um, through Instagram and Facebook, which which is kind of record breaking. I know from back to Jerusalem, but um, I think that's a lot, right? What? We never <laughs> had that many people playing our video. Three hundred. Yeah, it, it was. It was. It was liked over twenty four thousand times, and it was shared over five thousand times. But yeah, that's huge numbers. Um, so Wait, there were a lot of comments, like hundreds of comments on this reel on Instagram. Um, on Instagram and some through Facebook. Wow. Um, and really only a couple were fresh or upset or frustrated or questioned what was, cause most people were very, uh, had very positive things to say cause it's a really encouraging clip. Um, but this one question then says, so you are charismatic tongues in the new Testament is speaking foreign languages. Be careful who you listen to. They will damn you to hell. And then, Kind of in the same theme, another person said, Pentecostalism is not the gospel, unfortunately. 
And I guess this is in regard, it's really not the focus of what he's saying, but he does mention, you know, talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and talking about the disciples speaking in tongues, just very briefly alludes to that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the first one there. Unfortunately, this is a, this is a common theme and, um, and it breaks my heart. It really does because, um, I come from a not so charismatic background to a charismatic background by accident and then from a non-charismatic background to a charismatic background. Let me explain. I didn't become a Christian until I was 14. And I went to some pretty conservative churches that I didn't know. I thought all Christian churches were the same. I didn't grow up in a Christian family, so I had no clue. When I joined the military for my dog tags, just in case my body parts get blown up and scattered around. I had like one dog tag on my boot, one dog tag around my neck, you know, to identify who I was, what my blood type was and where to, how to bury me when I'm buried. And so you had to, uh, declare your religion. So I looked at the paper and I looked for Christian cause that's all I knew. I'm just, I'm a Christian, but they didn't have Christian. They had Islam, Buddhist, Hindu, and then they had Methodist, Lutheran, Baptist, Catholic, and I'm like, why? Like, just where's the Christian button? I just want to, you know, push Christian. But because they didn't have that, I had to look and see, have I been to any of these churches before? And I thought I had been to a Pentecostal church. The name just ran a rang a bell with me. I don't know if I actually had been to one or if I heard about it on the day of Pentecost from the Bible because. Um, the word Pentecost is not a New Testament word. It's used in the New Testament, but actually is used in the Old Testament. The, the Pentecost uh, comes from a Jewish tradition of after the Passover, you have a certain number of days where you wait before the celebration of the harvest. So it's a part of the Passover festival. So that's why there were so many Jews in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost when the disciples went back into Jerusalem after the ascension of Jesus. And so the Jews remember this day of Pentecost of, um, uh, of, uh, in their celebration, and they believe that this is the time when the Jewish people were really born. Um, when you look at uh, the, the time that God spent with Moses and those that were witness to God speaking to Moses, uh, according to the Jewish writings, when God's spirit came down on the mountain, um, there were 70 different languages that were being spoken at that time among the Jews themselves. And so this is not just a New Testament idea that a lot of us Christians will associate. I put this quite, this more in line or more directly and, and explain it in more detail in China and End Time Prophecies. Um, then when I joined the military and I had the marking of Pentecostal on my dog tags, I thought, well, I'm a Pentecostal because I said so on my paper form. So I must be. Then I went to the very first Pentecostal church and I'm like, oh my, what the, I believe in this. Cause I had never seen people do, you know, what you see in Pentecostal churches. Then after I got out of the military, um, I went to university and I moved to China and um, continued my university education. So I started my university after the military in Southern California, continued on while I was in Asia, when I moved to Asia. And 
I did my um, I did my my studies up to my master's degree with a Baptist seminary, and so there I was again back into a more conservative environment, and then I started working with the Underground House Church, and they're more charismatic. So now I'm back charismatic again. This kind of dichotomy is really highlighted, and I, I have two children. <clears throat> Both of them are now living on their own. Both of them are in the military. One of them is hardcore Lutheran. Will not go to a church unless it's a Lutheran church. And thinks everything else is crazy town. My other son is a charismatic. <laughs> full on speaking in tongues. So I've got both of those on my side. Uh, on my side of the family. The reason I say that this is a heartbreak is because in back to Jerusalem, we work with people from different backgrounds. We work with people that speak in tongues, people that don't. We work with Amish, as you know, Stephanie. We work with um, people that are <clears throat> Mennonites, conservative. It doesn't really matter to me. It's not a salvation essential. It's not something that we feel that you can go to heaven if you do it, and you won't go to heaven, <clears throat> excuse me, if you don't. So it's one, of those, it's one of those things that it saddens me when I see that. Are the Chinese charismatic? That's the, the, the big story here. Are the Chinese charismatic? Yes, they are. Was Brother Yun talking about tongues in that reel? Um, he was talking about the day of Pentecost. And I'm sorry if you, as a Christian, don't believe what took place on the day of Pentecost where people speak different languages, speak in tongues that were not recognized. Oh, well, we're talking about real languages, really. How many languages do you speak? Because I, just within my family, we can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with most people around the world when it comes to being linguistics. Um, I speak uh, two other languages besides the language that I grew up with. Um, and one of them was given to me by a dream, and one of them I'm still working on uh, quite a bit. Uh, so I, I feel that I've been given supernaturally... A small amount, so I, I wasn't, I didn't become fluent from this dream that I had, but I did learn Chinese in a dream, partially, and it's really set the foundation for all of my other Chinese speaking. I actually, even though I use Swedish every day, um, I read my Bible in Swedish every day. Um, I, you know, speak with people around around me in society using the Swedish language. Chinese is still more comfortable for me. How is that? That doesn't even make sense. But it's because um, of this supernatural gift that was given to me. But I've also spoken in tongues that was not a language that I know of. But it was my expression to God. And this is how I explain it. <clears throat> in my prayer time, I reached a place where none of the languages that I speak could adequately express what I want to say to God. And in the end, there were like groans of something that I wanted to say, but I wasn't able to formulate words. Terminology escaped me. And so I've, I, I've, I've spoken in what charismatics would say was tongues. And I've been around a lot of charismatics, especially those in apostolic movements that would criticize those that have never spoken in tongues. Almost making a salvation essential that if you don't speak in tongues, you really don't know Christ. China is a place that is a little bit on, on, on the line where we get people that are charismatic, speak in tongues, and charismatic and do not speak in tongues, or I've never heard them, or I just felt that it was really bad Chinese that they were speaking, and, and I didn't notice it. it was maybe a heavenly language. So, uh, yes, there are people that will say that we're going to go to hell or, or that we're teaching a false doctrine. Um, 
I would not say it's something, or you can correct me if I'm wrong, Bethany and Stephanie, but I feel that we don't go around promoting speaking in tongues. We don't, I mean, I've written several books about Back to Jerusalem. I've never once discussed the necessity of speaking in tongues. Um, I think, I think that's the, that's the real point here is that, uh, as an organization, as a vision, even beyond us, it is not characterized by any denomination. Um, so when I set up Back to Jerusalem in the UK, I had to go through the whole registration process. Um, and we are registered as a UK charity and our charitable um, works fall into the religious category. That's kind of how things are set up. So when you put in that you're Christian, they then come back to me and they ask for a statement of faith. So thinking, what am I going to do about this? Like, because, you know, what do we, if you are a Methodist, you have a different statement of faith. And if you're Baptist, it will often have a different statement of faith. And if you're Calvinist even, and there's all kinds of ways of doing it. So I just made the most generic thing you've ever seen. Just like, it doesn't even mean anything because I had to do it. That's really why I did it. The reason I'm saying that is because I would not put us in a box. Nobody in our organization would put our ministry in a box. I don't think Brother Young would put us in a box when it comes to denomination. So if you have a challenge with speaking in tongues, that's absolutely fine. I would ask you to reflect on whether your feelings of not associating or working together with other believers who do speak in tongues that actually that's very, very reductive, a little bit self-righteous. And there are people that we work with in our organization, people that we love, that we that we are uh, in a team with, and we have different beliefs. But if it's not salvation essential, we put them to one side and we get on with the work that we feel God has asked us to do. And so I think that's the way that we view it, that there are people in B2J who speak in tongues. There are people who do not and may not agree with it. And the truth is we're united in what we believe is salvation essential and what God has called us to do. And anything else is a fun debate, but outside of that, calm down. (laughs) Just curious, Stephanie, we've never talked about this. Do you speak in tongues? Have you? Uh Oh, you're putting me on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, um, yes, I actually do, which is, I, it's very private for me. So, um, I, I attend a Southern Baptist church, you know, and that's not something you see on a Sunday morning ever. You know, we, we're getting crazy if we clap after a, after a good worship song. (laughs) So, but, um, I had an experience when I, uh, was about 19 where, um, similar to what you're you're saying, Eugene, is I was longing for a connection with God that was beyond, you know, what intellectually I could understand. And so I asked, you know, the scriptures say to ask for the gifts. So I asked, you know, I was praying and asked if I could receive that particular gift. I had a desire to to have that gift. Um, and I always explain it whenever somebody does ask about it as imagine yourself like a carbonated bottle, either champagne or soda, and it's just bubbling on the inside and you're, there's so much going on. It's all shook up. And then all of a sudden that, you know, cork pops and it comes out. And that was my personal experience. Now, interestingly enough, I'm married to someone who does not pray in tongues, 
Um, and and kind of he came from a very conservative background. Um, and so it was really difficult for him to kind of walk with me through that, you know, desire in my heart to want to pray and speak in tongues. Um, but over the years, we really met in the middle. So I don't force it on him in a sense of like, if you don't accept this about me, then you're not a Christian husband, you know? <laughs> um, but also he's come to a place where he is supportive and, and understands, especially when there's fruit, like, especially when I share in my personal prayer time, um, the fruit of what the spirit is leading me to do or say, or talk about, or reach out to certain people. I feel like there is purpose in it. And maybe, Maybe that's the question for a lot of conservatives is what's the point? Like, number one, is it real? Like what purpose and edification does it have? I've heard that a lot. Like, how is this edifying when nobody understands? Um, And so those are, I think those are legitimate questions. You know, I think also people are really defensive about it because you see it done really inappropriately. You know, um, you see it done, you know, your stereotypical speaking in tongues person person, I guess, which I I don't, I don't know if it's across the board, but it's the stereotype of like wild, crazy, you're out of control, you're possessed, you know, almost, and it's really uncomfortable for people. And so most people that I've talked to that are really anti, very strong feelings about speaking in tongues, because maybe they've they've had a really bad experience where it was highly uncomfortable for them. Um, So that's a little bit of my story um, with that. I, I honestly, if you know anybody that knows me is listening to this podcast, they're probably like, "What?" <laughs> I'm a closet prayer tongue person. That yeah. So, but like I said, I have ex- <laughs> I've experienced a lot of wonderful things and and intimacy with Christ that I'm very thankful for. That so, don't necessarily know the purpose outside of that, and I'm still learning. It's a journey. Um, and I love hearing other perspectives. So, um, I don't think I've ever asked you, Bethany. Yeah. So it's funny because actually we were having this conversation within. Um, I'm one of the the uh, leaders in our worship team at my church, and uh, on Wednesday night, like what two two days ago, um, the plan was that we talk about tongues. So my experience was I was actually much younger. I was nine years old. And uh, I'd seen my dad do it. And I just, I don't know, I just, I really want to be like my dad, you know, when I was a kid. And I would be like, why does dad speak in tongues and I can't? And um, my mom was like, you can ask. The Bible says that you can ask, like you were saying, Stephanie, for mm-hmm. the gift. So that's what we believed in our house that that verse meant. And I was at church and I was in Sunday school. And that very Sunday, the teacher was talking. I don't know if it was just about tongues or maybe it was about the gifts. I don't know. But I remember tongues being a something she specifically talked about. So I like went up to her afterwards and <laughs> I was like, I want to speak in tongues. <laughs> and she was like, well, do you believe that you can? And I was like, yeah, of course. I mean, my dad does it. Why, why should I not do it? And um, she prayed for me and I didn't nothing, I didn't feel anything. Like there was no, you know, I didn't lay on the ground. It, it, it wasn't like this super powerful moment. But we then went downstairs, like all the kids then joined in the main service and they were having a song at the end. 
And all I can say is there was just this one word that kept, and I just kept saying the same word over and over. And the more I did it, it was like the more, the more came. That's the only way I can explain that it happened for me. So that's when I was nine. Mm. And to be honest, I didn't really understand the point. That was always my thing was like, okay, I feel, I, I think I have this gift. I'm like 90% sure, 10% of me wonders if I'm just making this up. But there was most of me that really felt, okay, this, this happened in a way that, that really felt like it was God. And so this past Wednesday, my perception, because my best friend does not speak in tongues and she has had experiences oh, that just it really gave me a different perspective where people would sit her down and be like, OK, you know, in the church, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? She's like, yeah. Do you speak in tongues? No. OK, well, then you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. So we need to pray. And she had that so many times. And it, it used to drive me crazy just seeing that because and there were, people would say, like, you know, you've just got to open your mouth and speak. She's like, and say what? Like, and then there's this pressure and it becomes this this performance and it becomes this party trick. And I don't want to use that. Uh, loosely, but it can, it's like, do I have this special gold badge that makes me as good of a Christian as everybody else? And I just, I can't see that the Bible talks about it in that way. And so even on a Sunday, there's times where people will get up and say, you know, at the end of worship, everyone start praising God in your heavenly language. That's beautiful. And that's fine. But really, when I look at it, the Bible says I use it to edify myself, my own spirit, and also the Holy Spirit prays through me when I speak in tongues. So just doing it in a congregational setting with no real purpose, do I think it's wrong? No. Do I think sometimes we do it without really thinking and taking the the, the weight of, of really why we might have that gift? In a Pentecostal setting, yes. I think sometimes we can be quite light with it. Um, uh, meaning that we use it so, uh, yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, just without the, the, the real understanding of, okay, why am I doing this? What's the purpose of it? What's the weight behind it? Whilst making people feel that if they don't, they're somehow less than. So that's been my experience. I think I've started to shift slightly as I've gotten older and started to think, you know, why do we pick that gift specifically and make it so much greater or more important than, or more impressive actually than the other gifts. I think I, I struggle with that in a Pentecostal setting. I can tell you that I've been working with Brother Yun for over 20 some odd years. I never heard him speak in tongues. Um, I know that he believes in it, but he, if he does do it, he does it privately. Um, mm. I've heard him pray a lot. I mean, he, the guy's always praying, always praying. And uh, I've heard him cry. I've heard him wail. I've heard him plead. I've heard him pray in almost every setting. Um, so I'm not saying that he doesn't. I do know that he believes. And so it's, it's actually a little sad that somebody wrote attack and attacking him about speaking in tongues um, when actually I've never heard Brother Yun talk about it, teach about it, or practice it. Um, and, it's, and it's sad to me because I feel that Brother Yun is being, that he's being used by the Spirit and his preaching is filled by the Holy Spirit. And to say that, you know what, I don't believe that you are filled with the Holy Spirit unless you have the evidence of speaking in tongues. When we have so many, I mean, with... Stephen, just before he was killed, says that the Spirit of God filled him, and he just began to you know, speak. This is a man filled with the Spirit of God. 
Um, and I know that people would say, well, there's a difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized by the Holy Spirit. Okay, yeah, I get that too. That's a different argument. But anyway, that, that's, I don't think that we're going to answer this guy's question. It's just uh, the three of us, I, I've never actually asked you guys. It's not a central part of what we believe or what we, what's beautiful about being on the mission field is that a lot of that stuff doesn't become that important. It's Christ-centered. Um, we become centered on the message of the good news of salvation. And the, the, the beautiful thing about, I, I, I'm going to say this, and I'm cringing before I even say it, because I know how it's going to be taken out of context. Even in my own mind, it's going to be taken out of context. But this is one of the things where I thank God for at least a little bit of persecution. Because when you're being persecuted and you're on the run and you're being chased by people that hate your guts... When you find a friendly face, <laughs> you're not, well, I, I'm not going to come in your house and pray with you unless you agree with me about, you know, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, when you find fellow Christian believers on the mission field, you find a sweet fellowship. And it doesn't matter whether they're Ethiopian Orthodox, um, whether they are Coptic from Egypt, whether they're underground from China, whether they are from the Assyrian church in Iraq or the Pentecostal church in California. Um, you see a unity, and, and, I'm, and I love um, what St. Augustine, some people say that St. Augustine didn't say it, but he had this amazing quote that I, that I love. Uh, in essentials, uh, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. I think that is so important for us as believers. That is a believer that was living during a time of persecution during the, the fourth century. Um, it, you, you have that. And if I went to most of the Chinese underground house church members, they would probably say the same. That with essentials, unity. With non-essentials, liberty. I love that word, freedom, with the non-essentials. What did God bring to you? What does he show to you? What do you believe? And then in all things, charity just be loving towards one another instead of saying you're going you're still going to hell and i'm going to write you a special message and tell you how hellbound you are <laughs> so okay it's good all right it's awesome um so the next one is from an email written to back to jerusalem and they say it was really unsettling to see you sorry it was really unsettling to see in your october issue that you support false and heretical teacher and self-proclaimed apostle heidi baker don't you folks and Brother Yoon have any discernment? Passing out Bibles is one thing, but what is she teaching these people? I would hope you would do some investigating before coming alongside a member of the new Apostolic Reformation. Please remove me from any future mailings. Okay, well. Ouch. Ouch, we lost one supporter. That's okay. I don't think they were a true supporter anyway because we kind of align pretty well with Heidi. And if you don't see that, then you probably didn't know us very well anyway. <laughs> you, you no, I, I don't think that's true. I, I think that people, and that's what I love about us. It sounds biased, doesn't it? But that's one thing that I'm proud of us for, that's better, is that it's not obvious um, what side of the aisle we fall on, on a lot of things, um, like tongues, like uh, yeah, all these different doctrines, you wouldn't look at us and be like, oh, they're so Bethel or they're so Hillsong or they're so Heidi Baker. I would really like to think that we kind of have a a much wider, uh, yeah, reflection of that kind of thing. 
Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, the reason I say that is because Heidi Baker, I, I, so I'm going to tell you how I was first exposed to Heidi Baker. I'm not in those circles, so I, I, I was not exposed to her because I went to a church that supported her or, I, you know, I wasn't a big Heidi Baker fan. Somehow at our church in Hong Kong, which is a conservative church, we ended up getting a DVD many years ago called Mama Heidi. And so I sat down and I watched this video called Mama Heidi. And I don't remember much about it. I mean, I, I could be very ignorant on this because it's been a long, long time ago since I watched the movie. So I can't really tell you if there was anything that was charismatic in the movie itself about her beliefs. What I did see is a woman missionary who went to Africa and began to bring in orphans and street kids and individuals that had just lived in extreme poverty and began to just love them. She would hug them and love on them like a mom. These, these children who didn't have parents, these children who you know didn't have anybody to kiss their boo-boos or listen to their cries or give them a cookie you know, for a hard day after school. Um, she, was, she became that person and she fed so many people. And I remember her in the video, something about they didn't have enough food to make it. And they prayed and God supernaturally multiplied the food to feed the the people the children and so um the the reason i i feel that you know if you follow her you can kind of see how we're along the same lines is that i know her a little bit more personally and so i guess that's kind of where i'm coming from a little bit because she really lives on the front line she's not a person that talks about what, how hard it is to be a missionary but lives in america and preaches about memories that she had from years ago she when when she comes in and flies in for a conference where if her and I are at the same place at the same time, uh, we were we we both spoke at a conference in Mexico two years ago or a year ago a year ago, so a year ago we were both in Mexico. We I flew in from from uh, Sweden. She flew in from uh, Africa, straight from the front lines. Um, she's somebody that's on the mission field, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ in the same manner that we are. Um, she is preaching to the most unreached areas, the most dangerous areas in the entire world in the same manner that we are. She has a calling upon her life to complete the Great Commission and is just doing everything that she can to do that in the same way that we are. Um, so I guess that's the reason I would say that we're kind of in the same boat. Now, I don't know her teachings that well. I haven't read, I haven't read any of her books, but we have partnered together with her on several, on several things. Any thoughts, Stephanie? Um, I mean, no, I'm not super familiar with Heidi Baker. I, like I've seen, you know, the photos and the videos of her reaching out to the African children. Um, I think that sometimes you get a little piece of information, especially in, you know, in a, with a conservative background and you make maybe make assumptions. So I don't know. I, I, I think that it's important to, I, I feel personally, it is important to know theologically probably where the people you're working with stand but i agree that there are things that are non-essentials i think that's a key word that's been been being used that you it's not a hill to die on you know if if you can find the things that are that you're united with and it's salvation essential then i think that there's things that you can let go of now that being said i there are things personally for me that you know i wouldn't feel comfortable saying, you know, I like, for example, in one of the questions we're going to maybe lead into, this would be a good segue is um, like the Latter-day Saint church. 
there to me, there are things that are salvation essential that no, I'm not, I am not going to link arms and say that we're doing, you know, we're one ministry working together for, because they have very different views on salvation. Um, but like I said, I mean, I don't know enough about Heidi Baker to really say, cause this guy is saying false and heretical teacher. So where, what is he, what has he found to him that she's, you know, teaching false or heretical doctrine? That would be something that I have to research and find out, I guess, but well, this, specific, um, yeah. this, this specific message is about Bibles. Discern who you're working with with Bibles. Mm. Regardless of what he felt about her teachings, she was giving out Bibles that B to J was was sending to her. Mm. This is the Bible. This is the Christian Bible. I'm assuming the same Bible that the person that's upset reads. I don't know their Bible, but I'm assuming it's the same one. This is the Bible going without her teaching into prisons where ISIS is being held. So you have ISIS members uh, that are extreme Muslims that are listening to the word of God and the teachings of Jesus through the Bible, not Heidi Baker's teachings. Heidi Baker is handing out these Bibles into prisons and into remote areas so that people can hear the Bible for the very first time. Um, I tend to fall on the side of believing that the Bible is better to read or listen to than the Quran. I tend to believe that whatever Heidi Baker is, she's she's doing better works than ISIS. And I tend to believe if she's going to be handing out Bibles, we love that and we partner together with that. Does she do some things that I don't agree with? I don't know. I, I, I Even though I know her, I haven't seen her do anything or say anything while I've been with her that would cause me to react. I can tell you what would make me react is if I went back 2,000 years ago and I sat with the disciples and the disciples said this, hey guys, um, we lost Judas, sad situation with Judas, I know, but we need some replacements, right? All right, um, who here can we replace him? I don't know. Let's grab those lots, let's go grab those like, you know, those stones and let's throw them out on the, the table and let's see what God chooses by throwing lots. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What kind of witchcraft shopping center, mall, tarot card reading kind of witchcraft is going on here. Um, there are things in the Bible that I don't see on a regular basis, nor do I practice. Like, you know, I don't, I, I, I went through a really hard time in my life at the beginning of this year. At no time did I feel I was, I was going to cover myself in ash, get naked and roll around on the ground on one, lay on one side for, you know, long periods of time, you know, for everybody to see how, you know, much in anguish I was. Um, I also didn't dress in camel hair and go around eating bugs. There are some maybe people, <laughs> maybe I should have <laughs> maybe I should have. My point is is that there, we have some pretty eccentric characters in the Bible that do things that are not re repeated. They 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 do things that are not systematic, um, and yet uh, they're part of our our heritage, our tradition, our history. And so I would just be careful about judging people, you know, on the non-essentials. You were going to say something, Bethany? Um, yeah, just to finish that, I just think, like the point that you just said, we worked with her to distribute Bibles. Now, if we were in North Korea and someone that was part of the North Korean government who was absolutely not a Christian but agreed to take Bibles into a prison, are we going to go, you know what, we're not theologically aligned, you don't agree with us, so you can't take these Bibles in for us? Like, come, mm. like, I, uh, yeah, I just think 
try and see a bigger picture. And, you know, it's one thing if we wrote in our newsletter, we align with everything that Heidi Baker says. Maybe we do. None of the three of us here have heard every word that she's ever said. So we don't know if we do or if we don't. But we worked with her specifically for Bibles. And so in my feeling, it doesn't really matter who's distributing the Bibles. I'm not asking for their theological beliefs in order to take Bibles. If they're going to do it, then they do it. Great. Um, really, it's it's to that end. And I think yeah, that's no, the main You bring up a really good point. The very first time that Back to Jerusalem ever printed Bibles inside of China, Brother Yun and a lot of the house church leaders were there to take those Bibles and distribute them all around China. That started something that today we can say led to 15 million Bibles being printed and distributed inside of China, which would have never happened had it not been for a Muslim who said, uh, yeah, you are people of the book, we are people of the book, uh, we will print, the, a Muslim ran the printing press, the secret printing press, to print our Bibles on. And uh, do we connect with Muslims and, and work with Muslims and agree with Muslims? No, absolutely not. But we were not going to say, you know what, we don't want our Bibles printed by you dirty, disgusting Muslims, which is what the Muslims kind of do to Christians. Where, you know, um, I, I just had lunch yesterday with uh, Andrew Brunson, this amazing pastor that had been thrown in prison in Turkey. And uh, he talks about, you know, trying to eat. And it was very difficult to eat because he was a Christian. Everybody thought of him as being dirty. So they didn't allow him to come and eat from their bowls, eat at their tables because he was unclean. During Ramadan, he had to hide himself. Like they didn't even want to look at him. He had to like cover himself. They wanted him to put himself under the blankets and behind like a, 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 a curtain so that nobody could see him in prison because just looking at a Christian, an unclean, dirty Christian, would make them unclean before their prayers during Ramadan. God has given us that kind of liberty where we are able to show love to one another love to Christ, and love to those that are not Christians. That's why we provide aid to those that are not believers. When we go into disaster relief areas, we don't ask who's a believer here, who's not, before we hand out food and rice and oil. And we definitely don't ask people who's a believer before we hand out Bibles. We, we get Bibles to believers first, you know, within the underground house church networks, but if somebody comes up and they're a seeker, and they're like, can I get one of those? Are you a Christian? No. No, then you're not getting a Bible. Well, maybe their chances of becoming a Christian increase when they've actually read the Word of God. So if you don't agree with, with um, uh, Heidi Baker, what better way for a person to come in agreement with God than to read his Word? So if we're providing the Word for Heidi Baker, maybe that's a good thing and not a bad thing. So I think we've got time for one more question. Uh, we have okay. an appointment that we have to get to after this. So one more question during mail call. Okay. Well, um, probably. Know, I love mail call. Yes, but you change the name in every single episode that we do. You haven't <laughs> said the same name more than once. I, I thought I've always called it mail call. No, you've called it mail time, mail fun, <laughs> mail here we go. <laughs> I've never called it mail fun for the simple reason it could be M A. L E instead of M A I L. So <laughs> that's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to call it Mail Call M A I L. Yes. Okay. So um, this one comes from an article. I'm going to keep us on track. <laughs> um, this one comes from an article titled uh, One World Religion Center Now Open. 
Um, it's not really a question. It's just some statements that I really feel go and kind of go together with what we've been talking about. Um, this is from um, a post, a, a commenter on this post. The restitution of all things has already been inaugurated through Christ's prophet of the restoration, Joseph Smith. The one world church will be Satan's imitation. Um, and then it kind of proceeded through a thread of uh, people arguing on our article. Um, and so this person responds respectfully. Joseph Smith was a false prophet. Becoming a God in the afterlife is the same lie the servant told even the garden. And then he responds, and I, I kind of cut down a portion of his comment with, I don't think that God will give me a name above every name, but I believe based on the word of God that he can exalt me and give me lordship or godship in his kingdom as I emulate Christ and humble myself and become obedient to his spirit. So we're kind of talking about people, you know, accusing of, of accusing back to Jerusalem with aligning with heretical teachers and false teachings. And then people are arguing on our um, Instagram posts about, you know, false teachings and heresies. And so it seems to be a popular subject, but it'd be interesting to hear your perspective, Eugene. Yeah, I think that, well, obviously for those that are listening to the podcast that are not familiar with who Joseph Smith is, Joseph Smith is the founder of the Mormon religion and um, the Mormons are, <laughs> did you Google it? <laughs> um, Mormon, you're in Mormon territory, Stephanie. So, I mean, this is, I am. this is a little bit in your backyard. I mean, um, of course, Utah is known for being, you know, the, the, the headquarters and the center for Mormons, but uh, Idaho is the suburban area for Mormons. <laughs> so that's, uh, you're, you're. Yeah, and, and actually, you know, interesting statistic is that where, where I am located in Southeast Idaho is actually becoming more predominantly the Mecca for the Latter-day Saint religion because um, Salt Lake is becoming more and more secular. So, so we are definitely evangelicals here are a minority. Um, and interestingly enough, there has never been a revival, an evangelical Christian revival in this region of the United States. And as an evangelical living here, I can say that there is, there is rumblings and stirrings for revival in this area and people moving into this area, this territory, um, that are hungry for, for the spirit, um, to move. So yeah, it's very, it's a personal note here. <laughs> so with, with you reading that, what are some of your thoughts? Like what, when, when, when you see this, this thread and this argument, um, associating, you know, the one world religion with, with, uh, you know, being rejected because of the teachings of Joseph Smith, and then maybe back to Jerusalem being accused of, um, heretical teachings, in the same line as the Mormon church. What are, what are some of your thoughts? Well, first, I think it's interesting that a Mormon is interested in back to Jerusalem, following back to Jerusalem enough to make a comment. I think that's interesting. I think it's a sign of the movement of their church and their belief systems, because there's been in probably the last 10 or 15 years, a movement to, align themselves more with Christianity to call themselves Christians. A lot of Mormons believe they are Christian um, where that wouldn't have been the case probably 10 or 15 years ago it would have been offensive to a Mormon person to say that, you know, they're the same as an evangelical Christian, but you get a lot today of the younger generations saying, I'm no, I'm a Christian. Yeah, we're both Christians. Um, I've had missionaries come to my door and I say, well, 
do you am I considered, you know, uh, an apostate? Am I considered someone that's not believing the the uh, true follower of the true church? And they're like, no, no, no. It's like, I'm, I'm OK. I'm they're cool with me because <laughs> I'm an evangelical. So I think that's interesting. Number one, I think that um, personally, I think that there's a huge uh, distinction between, you know, uh, aligning ourselves with someone like Heidi Baker and aligning ourselves with, if we were to ever do that, I, I think that it would be an issue for me because I, a true Mormon follower is not going to take the Bible into, you know, an Iranian prison. They're going to take the book of Mormon. That is their holy book. And the Bible is, is considered a supplemental book that as so long as it's translated correctly, it can be used, but it is not a holy book. So that is an issue for me. Yeah. But. So, I mean, this, I love this kind of comparison because when we start talking about, you know, in the essentials, unity and the non-essentials, liberty, salvation essentials, when I talk about salvation essentials, I, I, I think that I'm going to say some things that I see inside of China. So therefore, I'm speaking from that platform that many people won't agree with. Whereas for me, Lutheran, Baptist, Mennonites, uh, even Catholics, we kind of align uh, in, in the same way. Do we practice the same things? No. We just talked about speaking in tongues. When you start talking about Catholics and, um, uh, you know, the saints and the Mother Mary and the differences there with the Pope, a lot of people will point those out. And I would just say, you know, the very, if you look at the history of missions, Protestantism doesn't have any missions history to speak of at all if, uh, until like, you know, 300 years ago. Um, I mean, you don't have a history of the church without really the Catholics, the, the Orthodox, um, the Eastern Church. Um, when I look, however, it's got to be very, very clear here. There is not a sharing of essentials when we talk about other um, religions. Um, so, for instance, the uh, Quran mentions the name of Jesus 93 times. Does that mean that we can find uh, essentials with Muslims? No, because they believe that Jesus was a prophet, not uh, not the, the the Messiah, not God. Um, we see that there are many teachings that are very similar to Buddhism. Does that mean that we can find salvation essentials together with Buddhists? No, because the the Buddhists believe that the ultimate goal is to reach nothingness to leave the, the cycle of, of, of karma. Um, when uh, I sit and talk with Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons, do we have salvation essentials? No, we don't. Do Mormons read the Bible? Yes. But because of the Book of Mormon, they interpret what they read differently than we do. Their, their words mean something different. In China, we have the same thing, where we have the church of the government. And a lot of people will say that, well, the, 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 the three self-church believes the same as we do. Sometimes you're right, sometimes you're not. I work with the three self-church in China, and there are certain three self-churches that I don't work with. And it's because once you change meanings of words in the Bible, the understanding is completely different. So 
I have often used the example of um, when you become a Christian, Christ lives inside of you. The, the government of China would agree with that. They would say that when you become a Christian, that Christ lives inside of you. Um, but I believe it as literal, like God himself comes and is inside of me. He's a part of my soul, a part of my spirit, and I begin to do things more according to him, supernaturally and spiritually. Whereas when they say it, they say it more like if you go to the funeral of your father, and he's a humanitarian, um, and you help poor people as well, and they say, you know, Stephanie, I know that it's sad that your father is let, that he has died, but his spirit still lives in you. He lives on with the work that you do. They, they don't actually mean that your dad is literally living inside of you. It means that there is this somehow emotional connection. There is a parallel where you are able to carry on the legacy of an ancestor, but he's not really living inside of you. This changing of words in scripture is very, very key to Mormonism. And I agree with you. I've seen a lot of Mormons that don't really know what Mormonism is. So they are starting to drift to the evangelical side when I think it was used maybe a little bit as a ploy to have more, because I will say that Mormons have been greatly abused by evangelicals throughout the years. They've, they've suffered a lot of persecution at the hands of evangelicals when they shouldn't have. Joseph Smith and his followers should have been allowed the freedom to practice their religion um, and not persecuted and chased across the continental U.S. as they were. That's my opinion because God allows people to reject him. And if God allows it, who am I to force you to accept him? And so they, they fled across uh, the continental U.S. and then they built up their own communities. Um, what makes us different than, than um, the, the Mormons? Well, it's very simple. The salvation essentials of believing that Jesus is Lord and we are saved through him and his salvation. It's not that Jesus and Satan were brothers and that they one of them came up with a better plan to save mankind than another. And that as God is, I will one day be this idea that I will have my own planet and I need to populate it with as many women as I, you know. And of course, this is all this is all debatable even within the Mormon church. I'm painting with a very, very broad brush here. Um, that any Mormon would, you know, would sit down and because they have denominations now, just like evangelicals have denominations. You have uh, individuals that, you know, have broken up, broken off from the, the main church in Salt Lake City. And we see that there's been a lot of evangelical ideas that they have adopted into their religion. So the confusion is there. Oftentimes when they come up to door-to-door uh, -door doing their ministry, which I think evangelicals could learn a lot from their zeal and passion for, for ministry. Um, they use the Bible. They refer to themselves. I mean, for goodness sake, if you, if you get their book, it says, you know, the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. I would call myself the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. Just the meaning is different. I, I am a saint living. I'm not a saint. God knows I'm not a saint. But I'm a Christian living in the latter days. I believe that. Um, and so I, I, that name was supposed to appeal to evangelicals. That name was supposed to, um, you know, uh, in, in some ways 
bring us bring a bit a bit of a bridge to bring more evangelicals to Mormonism. So I can see a little bit about the argument of why they think that, okay, well, you're teaching heresy in the same way that Mormons do, or that Mormons feel that, you know, there's not going to be a one world religion. There are certain things with Mormons that we agree on. Um, I, uh, you know, I feel that Mormon communities are pretty relatively safe. I feel pretty good when I'm walking around, you know, the, 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 uh, the ghettos of um, Salt Lake City. <laughs> I, I would much rather be around the ghettos of Salt Lake City than the ghettos of, you know, uh, other maybe more Protestant areas. So uh, that's kind of, I don't know if that answers any questions, but I think it, I just wanted to address, are we the same as Mormons? Or uh, when we go off into heresy, is it the same heresy as Mormons? We might be heretical at Back to Jerusalem, but we are a different brand of heretical beliefs than Mormons. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that last comment, but up until that last comment, I was tracking with you 100%. What was that? Okay, I'm going to definitively say that I don't think we are heretical. And if we are, we're not doing it knowingly. I mean, at least we can say that. Also, it's very hard to be heretical when we don't have one belief system um, in, in the ministry because there are, yeah, you would not believe the amount of diversity we have um, in B2J. And so there are things that I could say that maybe Eugene would think are heretical, things Eugene would say that I'm almost certain that Stephanie would think are heretical. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, we, we all have those things. Uh, are we, I don't really know. The thing is about that post, that's like our most popular post, I think, right? At least for interaction on our website. We posted that two years ago, I think, maybe. Yeah, two or three. And that we are still getting comments on that post about one world religion. So, I mean, if nothing else, uh, that continued interaction is we're thankful for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm yeah. also, I mean, as we end this podcast, one of the things I, I want to point out about that post is that we're able to measure it against other posts. In the year 2020, during the COVID lockdown, one of the things that we decided to do, we had been putting up several articles before, and sometimes we just throw up six at a time, and then go like a week with no articles, and then we'd put up like two, and then we'd go another week with no articles. So it was kind of sporadic. But in 2020, uh, Bethany and I both agreed that we would, you know, make sure that there was an article up every single day. And so for three years. I think that we're the only mission organization that I know of that puts up a daily article. And it's not just about back to Jerusalem work. In fact, most of our stuff doesn't point people back to back to Jerusalem, but instead just kind of gives daily news from the 1040 window or from the area that is between China and Jerusalem. Uh, we give news from a missions perspective, from a missionary perspective, from a Chinese underground house church perspective. And so certain articles like that really have reached out and, and hit a lot of people. Not a lot of information when we wrote that was out there about the one world religion center that was being built in Abu Dhabi. Now there's a lot of articles out there about it, but we were one of the, one of the earliest articles to kind of report on it. So yeah, thank God. Anyway, Bethany, Stephanie, thank you guys so much for being with us. I think that this was a great mail call episode. And I want to thank you for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America. God bless you.